Hey, what's everyone? Coach D here. Hey, I just want to take a moment to say thank y'all so much for, you know, listening to this podcast. I really appreciate y'all, you know, donating your time and energy to come here and, you know, hopefully use it for your entertainment and your source for some, you know, engaging information uh, on all things health and wellness. So I just want to say thank you, whether you're listening for the first time or you're someone who's been here from the beginning and everyone in between. Sincerely, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. Uh, quick update for all my South Florida listeners. If you're in the Boca Raton area, just know that I am teaching a group fitness class every Monday at 5.30 p.m. at Johnny O's Gymnasium uh, in Boca Raton. So if you're down and you are a want to be a member of that gym or if you're thinking about getting a group fitness class or pass because you're looking for some consistent group fitness schedules, uh, you can go ahead and head over to Johnny O's website and then look to take my class every Monday. Other than that, this conversation here is with Will Evans, a former colleague of mine and a friend who I worked with at Purdue Rec Well up in Indiana. Um, He's a great guy, really knowledgeable, really fun to talk to. And we had a great conversation about all things wellness and mental health. So without further ado, let's get to today's episode. Good morning, everyone. Hope y'all are having a wonderful day. This is Coach D here, the Shift Method Podcast, and we're shifting gears a little bit today. We've talked about this subject here and there, maybe had it as a little bit of a topic in other conversations, but now we have an entire podcast dedicated to all things wellness and mental health related. Who better to do it than one of my former friends, well, current friend, I should say, and colleague, and that is Will Evans. Will, can you introduce yourself to the people, please? Of course. Thanks for having me on. Uh, My name is Will Evans, like was said, and I have the pleasure of working at Purdue University in their Recreation and Wellness Center. I oversee what's called the Wellness Suite there. So we help promote all things wellness, kind of like what Damien just said. So we really focus on each holistic dimension, um, focusing beyond just physical fitness and wellness and to include things um, such as occupational, intellectual, social, environmental, and so on. And so our office just works to reach patrons and clients with those types of messages and also helps them figure out how to incorporate holistic well-being into their lifestyle. I love it. Yeah, I was very, I mean, for starters, the rec center there in general is just immaculate, right? Like you go to other rec centers. I come from South Florida where we do have also amazing rec centers and take advantage of outdoor facilities as well. But Purdue Recwell is is a monster, man. The amount of things that you have offered to students, the you know the kitchen, the various floors that you have fitness equipment on, the offices, and then when I learned there was a mental health aspect of Purdue Recwell and a wellness suite, I, I was taken aback because you guys literally bridged the gap between everything. So I thought that was amazing that we offered that. Yeah, it's a pretty it's a pretty nice set up there. I mean, it's a beautiful facility. It's big enough for you can get lost in if you yes. want to. So Yes. And many <laughs> and, times and, I did walking through. <laughs> oh yeah. No, for sure. For sure. And, but it's also big enough to focus on that kind of um, holistic whole picture approach. Yes, sir. So this is the shift method podcast. And of course, while this is going to be focused on wellness, I always like to ask people a little bit about their fitness background, get kind of some insight on them. So I know you're a guy who lifts. So Kind of talk about briefly, you know, how you got into 
working out and maybe what your current fitness looks like. Yeah, 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 for sure. So I've always been active um, ever since being a kid, right? So I played soccer, I played, um, ran cross country and track, um, did any kind of pickup football, ultimate frisbee game all throughout college and actually started, um, I guess, like seriously going to the gym um, in my college years. So uh, not as huge as Reckwell, but still a nice place to get going. Um, and then I kind of carried that forward into um, like professional life. Right. And so now it's great because I literally just have to walk out my office door and I'm in yep. the gym. So I have no excuse not to go. So um, it really helps keeping up physical fitness. Uh, it makes it easy. Right. Um, and so right now I'm, I'm lifting uh, four to five days a week. And um, it's always been a passion of mine. It's always been a hobby. It always makes me feel like um, beyond just the physical aspects, I mean, I get grouchy if I don't, if I don't, <laughs> if I don't exercise or do something other than just walk around. Um, and then I also, it just helps me kind of that mental state of mind. And just, I get, I feel like I get, some people have like shower thoughts, you know, like, oh, like the most genius moment in the shower. Mine's happened when I lift. That's I'm like, awesome. oh man, this will be the greatest thing to do at work. Or, hey, this is a really great idea. I didn't think about this partnership with someone. And so actually like my occupational wellness too takes a hit if I don't focus on that, on that physical fitness. And so um, I've dabbled in, in helping um, in different types of areas in fitness. And in college, I had the fun experience. I was actually a PE coach at a local high okay. school. And that was, that was pretty fun. I think the coolest thing of that was helping those little fifth graders figure out how to run a 5K and running it with them. And they gave me a little mug with everyone at the finish line at the end. I still have that mug. It's actually at, at my office right now just to remind me that, hey, this is where you came from. This is still part of your passion. And let's keep it up for as long as we can. That is awesome, man. And are you currently training for anything specific? Are you just kind of lifting to stay in shape? Are you training to gain some muscle mass, get stronger? What's kind of your, your focus? Yeah, I would say, say the latter two. So we're focusing on mass and strength right now. And so um, no specific event in mind, um, but really just exploring, um, really trying to change up my progressive overload game right now, tweaking a new schedule, figuring out um, how to incorporate some new, new techniques and new movements into the rhythm of things. I'm avoiding those stagnant kind of muscle movement plateaus and, um, enjoying that. And it's, it's, it's nice because we just got a lot of new equipment at Recwell, And so that makes really? it really easy to, yeah, it makes it easy to explore some new things. I've, especially some selectorized machines, which I, I don't use that often, but everyone, maybe at least once in a workout routine, but man, some of those new ones, they really make, especially for the back. I've never had Never felt lat activation as much as in some of those new machines, which is nice to feel. I'm the same way, Will. Some machines or like cable, like exercise, I do not feel my lats activate. So that's cool that you guys yeah. have some extra equipment to get some action in there. And totally. I really like it too that I always, you know, I always tell people that health professionals in general, not just fitness people, you know, it's good to practice what you preach so you can promote. Mm -hmm. um, like if you're a doctor or a 
you know, wellness professional, you don't have to be a professional bodybuilder or a power lifter, just, you know, getting the basics down. So it's really cool. Like you said, progressive overload and like that just made my morning. So I'm like, <laughs> Will's doing the thing, man. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Now we're going to shift a little bit into more specifically what we want to talk about today. And I think when I always start conversations about certain topics, I always want to make sure we got our definitions straight. So mm-hmm. when we talk about, or you hear people use the term wellness from a professional standpoint, what does that exactly mean? Oh man, that is such a great question. And it's such a convoluted question because there's <laughs> no like national agreed upon definition. Like, you know, we just like talking about progressive overload like that's clearly defined we know what that is we can we can you can do it any different ways sure but it's the same concept right wellness is this this kind of more amorphous type um lifestyle philosophy right um how we approach it is it's it's definitely multifaceted i think those are that's a commonality you'll find across anyone who proclaims to promote wellness, right? It's not just one aspect of your health and well-being. And so, um, for instance, where, where, where I work, we, we promote this eight dimension model, right? And physical fitness is in there. Mental health is in there, but also some of the other things that I said before too, like occupational, intellectual, environmental, social, emotional, um, and, and so all these different aspects like spiritual wellness is in there too. And so really just making sure the person who is talking about, Hey, I really want to have a healthy lifestyle. Like that's great. And I think where our minds first go to is probably fitness and diet. Right. And that is not a bad place to start. That's actually a wonderful place to start. Right. Yeah. But then through that, you can branch out into other things and you might realize, Hey, how I eat and and exercise, this does affect my mood. So maybe now I want to focus a little bit more on like my emotional well-being or my mental yeah. well-being. Explore that some more, right? And especially, um, you know, you start you start lifting and you start eating and maybe now you have a gym membership and you have to buy different foods. So now you're going to focus more on, all right, how was my financial well-being going, you know? Yeah. And so um, holistic um, approach is one. And then also I want to say it's, it's, it's definitely unique. Right. So if you were to kind of do a, a, I don't know, like a, a scatter plot map of each dimension, no two people's maps are going to look the same. Right. Like uh, spiritual wellness for me might be more of a priority than it is for someone else. Um, compare me to like what you said before, like an actual bodybuilder or someone who's really into CrossFit. They might be, yeah, um, physical wellness, That's that takes up more of my day than it does for myself, which is more like at this point right now in my life, just more like a casual lifter doing it to stay active, doing it, have some goals in mind, but it's not, you know, it's not part of my day-to-day work. Right. So unique and holistic, I think, is an approach that that sets a good foundation for what wellness really is. And without those two things, I don't think you have the complete picture. I really like that. And, you know, I heard a little bit about like wellness and then started hearing more about mental health as I was getting into grad school, because I think the conversation Mm -hmm. is finally shifting, thankfully, in terms of how we address it. Um, But what I really liked is, like you mentioned, how it's not just like wellness and it's like this very big, vague, you know, ambiguous term, but 
you guys actually broke it down. Like here are some different aspects of it. And to some people initially, they're like, yeah, focus on eight things. It's like, right. They're all in some way interconnected. Right. Oh, totally. If I'm doing well physically and with my diet, that maybe can affect my mood. And like you said, diet can impact in my shopping properly or ways that, you know, facilitate my goals and my health. How does that affect my finances? How does that affect my sleep with me lifting, you know, spiritually? How does that affect me emotionally? Right. It all is kind of linked in this multiple spider web kind of way. You got it. And I couldn't have said it better. You can't really take one link out and make it its own thing without it having an impact on the others. Right. Yes. And that's the beautiful thing is that you, you, I think people have that mindset that you said, like, I have to focus on eight things. I can barely make it to the gym every day. Like, what do you yeah. mean I have to focus on other yep. stuff? But really, it's you're probably already living this out is just kind of creating that awareness of, hey, you got this. Now, let let us help you, like, be purposeful with it, like, and intentional with it, right? And I think um, once people realize how interconnected it all is, it really comes together for them, and it makes total, complete sense. I love that. I always ask my coaches or my personal trainers that I interview what kind of their fitness philosophy is, what is kind of their motto or mantra. As yeah. someone who has a wellness background, what would you say your philosophy on wellness is? Oh, man, that's also a great question. Um, I think my, if I were to throw it out there, I think my philosophy on well-being is kind of an, in, an intentional way of life in which you prioritize um, trying to use a different word than just well-being because we've been saying a lot. <laughs> you you prioritize um your state of health um beyond uh physical and mental right and i think a lot of people too they get caught up on what do you mean what's beyond physical and mental right um and i, I so a state of being in which you are completely aware of how every different life dimension that you have a role in affects you and that the yeah. choices you make in those dimensions are purposeful and not mindless, right? So if I'm talking about occupational wellness, I'm going to choose a job that I know makes me feel fulfilled. Mm-hmm. It gives me a sense of meaning and purpose. I like waking up and going to it every day. It's not one of those jobs where you just like look forward to Friday and the weekend kind of stuff. If I'm talking about social well-being, I'm going to be pouring into people who also pour into me. If someone asks me for coffee, I'm really going to think about it and be like, you know what? Yes, I enjoy hanging out with you. I, I want to hang out with you. It's a priority for my social well-being. And that may mean you have to really also be intentional with yourself and check in with yourself and be like, all right, someone asked me to coffee on Saturday morning. That was when I was going to go to the gym do I need more physical wellness or more social wellness right now? Right. Cause sometimes yes. you do have to kind of balance one and give one up over the other at times. And so it's, it's just a state of being in which you know yourself well enough to say, Hey, I need more of this right now in my life. And I can feel good about making that decision because I know how that's going to affect my overall health and wellness in the end. Yes. The term that comes, I forget who I was talking with about something in terms of the term like you know dynamic equilibrium right where it's you have all these levers that you need to make sure you manage properly right Mm -hmm. and like you said like oh i'm doing well with my physical health and i'm doing well with my occupational health but how is my emotional health doing right and it's your job to be 
as dialed into all those facets of your life as possible. Not in yeah. a way that, you know, makes you, you know, overly anxious or overly fixated, but just in a way that in which you're aware and cognizant of how your life is going across those dimensions. And then yeah. knowing when do I need to, you know, maybe let off on one lever and address another one, or how do mm-hmm. I keep them as balanced for what I want as possible? Because like you mentioned, like some people maybe spiritual isn't as important to them. I'd argue right. probably across those dimensions you need some kind of something, even if it's very little, but yeah. <laughs> just making sure you're giving attention to everything that makes sense for you. Totally. Yep. I love that. Let's get into some conversation on mental health. So yeah, it was really cool, Reckwell, because this is something that I think was, you know, focused on quite a bit, not only for us from an educational standpoint, right? We did the iGen project and we all were working together, mm-hmm. reading that book, discussing it, seeing how we can incorporate into our students. But of course, with wellness comes the aspect of, you know, mental health and how we yeah. work with students and help them out. So you can speak anecdotally. I know you do some presentations and maybe got a fact or two about generally across campus or across the United States, whatever you want to share, man. Yeah. What would you kind of say is the mental health status of our students, our 18 to 24 year olds? Yeah. So I'll talk about it in two, two ways. One is, is pre-COVID and the other is. That's a, that's a very good point, man. Yeah. 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 Cause it's, it's shifted a lot. Um, I'll begin with pre-COVID. So um, for, for college aged population specifically, Pre-COVID, um, we we were seeing in the last like five, ten, uh, like last five years, really, we've been seeing a lot more students arrive to their respective campuses with pre-existing mental health conditions, right? So it's not students who get to campus and then need to go see or seek out professional care, professional health, such as counselors or therapists or coaches, but it's students who are coming to campus and saying, I already, I had the support at home and now I need it here too, like day one of school, right? And so that's kind of thrown like university counseling centers into this new way of operating where it's, all right, how do we accommodate an increasing need with, with capacity that can't really mm-hmm. all the times like keep up, right? Yeah. Because, um, uh, it's, it's difficult to, to transition that quickly into like remodeling a department. Right. And a lot of universities, Purdue included has done a great job. Right. So they've really worked really hard over the last couple of years to rethink the way that that mental health is done on campus in a way that can accommodate more need. Right. Yeah. Um, another thing is, is stress is a constant. And I think for the first time you're talking about mental health in college students in particular, or in any, any non-college age student, any big life transition is always accompanied with stress, right? So like you go to college, you're away from the friends and family that acted as your support system for your whole life. And now you're in this new place and you don't know anyone. You don't even know your way around campus. Mm-hmm. You maybe got stuck with this random roommate that you don't even know and now you have to figure out how to live with this person right it's just, <laughs> it's this huge yeah cornucopia of just newness right yeah. and that's stressful for anyone same thing as like when you graduate college and you move away and you get a new job and you buy a house and you start a family it's like it's this life is just full of transition and change which is great so yes, it makes it, it beautiful and fun 
but it's also what if you're if if you're not really accustomed or not ready or not equipped for the change, it can be um, kind of stressful too. But one of the things that I like to talk about with stress is, I think particularly in in first world or or at least in Western culture, we we've kind of adopted this unhealthy view of stress in which like it needs to be completely eradicated from our life for our well being to be good, you know. And that's just that in of itself is stressful. Like imagine <laughs> like doing everything you can to not have any stress in your or telling someone like, you're never allowed to be stressed. Right. If you like are, that, that is right. That is the most like anxiety inducing message. Right. It's like, what why am I stressed? Can't... Why am I stressed about being stressed? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. So yeah, I like to tell people that, Hey, stress is going to be there and it's, it's always going to be there. The only thing that changes is how you relate to it and how you cope to it, right? And cope with it. And so uh, one of the, the good things about stress is that it can actually like keep us on top of our A game, right? So bringing it back to, to like, like we were just talking about fitness. A lot of people don't realize this, but like when you go to the gym, like you are activating your stress response, You're right? Yourself, man. That's how you change. Right. Like you are, you are trying your hardest not to fly off the back of that treadmill, like a fool or that heavy weight drop on your face over the bench press and your body's in a state of stress, but we don't yeah. view it as negatively because we want it then. Right. Exactly. And we're like, this is good. It's only like outside the gym or controlled stress environments where we're like, Whoa, hold up. This is bad. But if people can kind of reframe just a bit to be like, no, like this is just my body's way of trying to help me rise to this occasion, then cool. And that's awesome. Then that stress isn't necessarily bad. It's, it's, it's a helping mechanism. Um, and it's our job to kind of regulate it to the point where it is helpful and doesn't become hindering. Right. Yes. I always tell yeah. people with a lot of things, and this really relates to fitness. And I like that you kind of, you know, I likened it to training and how we are trying to stress us is saying that the poison's in the dose, right? Mm -hmm. Enough stress in a healthy direction, you know, enough stress when you're at school. Like if you want to learn, you have to be pushed a little bit, right? You've got to read yeah. just a little bit outside your comfort zone with your vocabulary and your ability to conceptualize the material. When you're mm -hmm. working out, you have to progressive overload, right? You got to push yourself just a little bit out of your ability, not too much. Cause when you do too much, right potentially bad things can happen. And it's, Oh, I right. did too much. My body wasn't prepared for that stress or in school, right? You go from, you know, part-time to 18 credit hours and classes that are absurdly difficult. And you're yeah. like, Whoa, that was too big of a jump. I'm clearly not able to handle the stress at the given point. Maybe I need to dial it back a little bit, but mm -hmm. I really like that you mentioned that because, and this is something that I've been, I've been wanting to know. So it's a cool question to ask. <laughs> Do you think that I want to be, I want to be careful with how I say this because first and foremost, like I think people need to, you know, always be dialed into how they're feeling and addressing if they feel like you know, uh -huh. I'm overly stressed or overly anxious, whatever it may be. Do you think in our culture in particular around this conversation of mental health, that one thing that has been lacking is maybe like you said, a focus on how to mitigate stress for lack of a better word, how to be uh, have mental fortitude or mental resilience? Is that something that you think is, is neglected or something that we could focus on? So that's something that we're, we're exploring. Um, I think in a lot of college campuses are too, right? So how do we, 
how do you teach the skill of kind of what you said, like personal fortitude, personal resilience, whatever you want to call it, grit? Um, because it, it's a helpful mental skill, right? Yes. Like I, I see failure, I experience it. Very similar to, I mean, and failure can be stressful too, but failure is kind of its own thing in of itself, right? It's, it's yeah. failure can bring stress, but can also bring lots of other feelings. It can bring shame. It can bring guilt. It can bring embarrassment. So how do I, how do I reframe this failure in a way that I'm not defined by it, but I can grow and learn from it. Right. Absolutely. And, and, and that doesn't, that failure and resilience are not like that's not the reason that all mental health problems exist right that's not that's not it at all so i'm not saying like you know if if you have like anxiety it's only because you're not resilient that's not what i'm saying at all exactly that's the area i I was trying to make sure i didn't you know yeah 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 no i get you yeah and i don't think that's the route that we're trying to take here but um but but for everyday things you know like like, oh man, I, I totally, I didn't perform as well on that test as I wanted to, or, mm-hmm. you know what, even if it's even again, really relating back to fitness, we've all had those days in the gym where you just leave and you just, it was like the worst workout of your life, you know, like no PRs were hit. You had to lower the weight from last week. Cause you just weren't feeling it. And you leave and you feel like, oh man, like what a waste. Now I'm really behind. And like, this is, this is horrible and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, you know what? Like that's, then you can view it that way. Or you can be like, you know what? I just had to accommodate to what my body was able to do today. And for whatever reason, my body just wasn't able to lift as much. And maybe that's a cry from your body to be like, Hey, you need to focus on some other, some of these other dimensions. Like, did you sleep well last night? Did you eat well during the day? Did you, are you mentally stressed? And is that affecting your physical wellness? Right. And Absolutely. so reframing those failures and moments for resilience can help reduce, I would just say like average or moderate stress for, for a lot of us, right? Myself included, I could totally get better at, at reframing some, some, fail, some quote unquote failures or what I view as failures or mistakes yeah. um, every single day. Yeah. You could say that shifting your perspective might be something to practice, right? Hey man, I think I think we should shift some perspectives here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. And I love um, it. and and that takes time. It's not just like going to the gym. It takes time to see results um, and patience and persistence. Yeah. Same thing with changing your mental mindset, right? It's not you got to put in the reps. Gotta yeah, put in the time. You're not. It takes time to be a self-compassionate person or a person that gives yourself grace and and chooses to ask yourself how can i learn from this instead of just suffer from this yes and um and it takes it 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 does and sometimes it takes the help of other professionals or other people too and that's okay that's totally fine it's like sometimes like you hire a coach to help you get stronger trainer. like exactly man. exactly that's exactly <laughs> what i was gonna say yep <laughs> yeah that's awesome so it shouldn't really be viewed any differently yeah i couldn't agree with you more now, one thing that I think is always good to focus on, and not for comparison, like, you know, oh, one's worse, one's better, because every generation has it has its pros and cons. But in, in the mental health and wellness department, how are the current generations, we'll say, you know, millennials and Gen Z, how are they stacking up against past generations in terms of their, you know, their mental health? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have, um, there's a lot of national data out there that you can look at some interesting trends on. Um, uh, and, and mental health is slowly ticking up worse throughout the generations, right? Now, I will give a huge caveat, like several generations ago, baby boomers, things like that, we didn't have as much information to track. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like comparing apples to oranges or making educated guesses here. Right. right? Um, and especially when you like want to look at a college student now and look at a baby boomer when they were a college student. Right. We can't really compare the same thing. Yeah. Um, but I would say like like I'm a millennial. And so now I am helping Gen Z come in and or iGen or whatever. And like, how do they how do they live and learn? And um, we are seeing some slight differences in in what how both generations operate, right? And so, um, one of the things that that is is gone up, but and not when I say gone up, I mean by like maybe one or two percentage points, like nationwide. So it's not like it went from like you know fifty percent to ninety percent of the right, right. But um, students are reporting more stress. Um, students are reporting, like I said, coming to college campuses with more pre-existing mental health conditions. And then even in the workforce now, right? Um, millennials are now in the workforce and we're, we're operating a little bit differently than a generation that came before us in that um, we, we care a lot more about how our jobs make us feel. And, yeah. and, and we, we value workspaces that we value employees that value occupational wellness, right? So it's like, yeah. I'm not just going to show up and grind for you from eight to five and go home with a paycheck and consider myself happy, right? Yeah. And I think that's a big difference between generations past where it's just like, work's work and you just go to it and you do it, right? Yeah. And, and I think our generation's a little bit different and like, Work is a humongous part of my life. And if I'm going to spend 40 hours a week doing it, I really want to enjoy it. You know? <laughs> Absolutely, man. And I don't think that's such a bad thing, you know, like that's, no. that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Like and, um, you spend a third of your life sleeping roughly, which we're going to talk yeah. about later. You spend a third yeah. of your life working at least. So yeah. that leaves you a third for other responsibilities and free time. So, you know, you might totally. as well enjoy the workouts. Absolutely. Right. Like I don't, I, I try not to, like, I think older generations and, and this isn't certainly true of everyone, but like you work for retirement and I'm like, man, I don't want, I don't want that to be my goal. Like, you I mean, I want a nice retirement, retirement, but that is such I don't want to say it, man. So like, <laughs> I don't want to spend 40, 50 years of my life just so I can finally have the life that I want. You know, that's exactly. <laughs> I'm trying to live my life every day. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to live it out right now and what I do. Um, but there's definitely some generational differences and I wouldn't say one generation is better or worse than the other because they also each also have their unique strengths and pros too. Yeah. Right. And so, um, I, I think even going back to the resilience thing, we may be able to learn a little bit of resilience from some older generations because they had that mindset where I just push through the grind and I do it. And so, while that had certainly had some negative consequences for them, mm-hmm. one of the potential pros was, well, it taught me how to reframe situations and not let it get me down as much, right? Yeah. 
And so, um, and then from younger generations, you can learn, all right, what, is it, what does it look like to focus on holistic wellness? What does it look like to really say, I value myself and my, and my entirety, and that includes my time at work, right? Yeah. Um, and it is unique. It's, it's interesting looking at the, the differences in mental health across generations because, and I, I'm sure I'll do it too, and, and then Gen Z will do it, but every generation's like always trying to dog on the one coming exactly. after them, right? This is the worst generation in history. And, <laughs> You know, every generation since the dawn of time has done that, you know, so it's like Absolutely. we all have the same mentality, like like our generation has reached the, the pinnacle of what the human experience is. And these new people come on the block. They don't have any idea what they're talking about. But yeah, time and time again, that proves to not be the case. So <laughs> absolutely. I I always wonder this one and I, I have some theories, so I, I definitely want to hear your take on, you know, why you might think these differences occur. And again, of course, you know, like you mentioned perfectly, like research wise, it's kind of hard to judge because maybe the research tools weren't as good back then, or maybe this, the data was very hard to get back for the baby yeah. boomers and previous. So there's a little asterisk there. Right. Mm -hmm. But would you say that some of the reasons why we might see these differences in anxiety and stress in general between, you know, I gen slash millennial and you yeah. know, baby boomers, et cetera, might be for a few reasons. Like, you know, in some ways life was simpler in the sense that like, we didn't have, you know, these devices all the time that are oh, constantly yeah. ringing and notifying us. Um, things like, you know, I think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs uh -huh. um, where like, you know, back then, you know, maybe a lot of people came from a, a poorer background, like on average across the country. And like the dream and the goal of the time was, man, I'm going to make some money and I'm going to yeah. have enough for my kids to maybe like get a better education because I didn't get to go to college. No one went to go to college back then. Yeah. So if I can grind at this job, get my paycheck, mm -hmm. make some money mm -hmm. and retire at 55, 60, like that's the dream. Are those some yeah. things you think have kind of kind of shifted in our culture? I think those things can certainly help paint the picture, you know, especially when it comes to to technology and ease of life. I mean, even even comparing what a college student back in the 1950s had to do versus what a college student now has to do. Like you you wrote way less papers back then. And why did you write less papers? Well, because not everyone had a laptop and you couldn't crank out papers every night. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like you would spend an entire semester, like term papers used to be just that, like just a term, like there was one paper per yeah. term. You know what I mean? <laughs> now it's like term papers, like, well, you have a midterm paper, you have a finals paper, you have papers in between those papers to write, yeah. you know? And we, and we can do that now because we can type them and they're easier for professors to read and grade. They're easier for people to crank out. It's easier to do almost every aspect of a college life with technology. But that ease also means we now expect people to do those same things more frequently, yeah. right? Like, I don't, you don't only have to write one or two papers a semester. You can now, you're now expected to write like five or six, you know? And so I think technology, while it does ease life, it does kind of create this faster pace of life, right? Yes. Um, Looking back, it's it's super, again, like uh, the generation trying to predict what life will be like for the next, um, when technology, um, especially like the digital age first started coming out, it was predicted, you know, that, that 
like we've reached it. Like people will only have to work like maybe 20 hours a week and we'll be fine and we'll make tons of money because technology will do everything for us. And what we found is that we're working more than ever, you know, like we're the 40 hour work week is almost like a myth, you know, like now people like it's so like common to be like, I work 50, 60, 70 hours a week. And I think it's been a huge part due to like, you know, our technological advances, which are great on so many levels, but we've kind of let it carry us away with the wind and that, Hey, now we can move faster. And and I should move at you know, 300% all the time. Yeah. And so, and, and, and with mental health, that takes a toll, you know, cause it, it makes us, it doesn't give us that mental pause and mental deep breath that we need sometime to be like, man, I'm busy. And actually like, I can say no, I can give myself permission just to actually like rest, which is another thing I think that has become like a lost art that is like mm-hmm. what true, I'm sorry, I'm like going on a tangent here real quick. So no, you're good. Me. But like what true rest means, you know, like, and I've, I've noticed this in my life, like I'll get home uh, and I'm just going to relax and rest and watch like a show. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, like after watching that show, if you were to like, you know, to get really nerdy and do like a pre-post, I wouldn't actually feel any more mentally rested after numbing my mind for an hour watching TV, you know? What would make me feel rested maybe is if I like pitched a hammock and just laid out under the trees and like watch this like the clouds pass, you know, because mm-hmm. that like your your brain on a, like a physiological level just needs some moments just to wander, yeah. you know, and like and decompress and your brain does so much in the background and helping process your day, consolidate memories, decide which thing's important for you to remember, which one's not. And so you you, me, everyone just like constantly going, like it can, it contributes to this mental fatigue that we feel all the time because we've kind of forgotten what it means to rest and what activities are truly restful versus which ones are just distracting in the kind of way. I agree completely with that because one thing that I always tell people, and again, you know, big asterisks, this is just me theorizing based on what I yeah. heard from previous generations, but more or less when you went home back in the day, you went home and it was yeah. a hard cutoff, right? Maybe, yeah. you know, if you had a certain job where you could like, maybe had an office or a study, you could maybe do some more work if you wanted to, but there weren't emails. There yeah. weren't like projects that you could do on your laptop. So when you went home, mm-hmm. like that was your day, it was done. Um, yeah. Now it's like, well, let me just send two more emails. Well, let me just, you know, crank out yeah. this project just a little bit more, right? The totally. ability to continue to work and I think mm-hmm. this comes with a lot of people. It's like the anxiousness of, I need to get this work done because now that yeah. I have the ability to get this work done is yeah. always lingering over us. It's like, it's like our office never really leaves. It's like, we're always at work or it feels right. like we are in some sense. Yeah. 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 Totally. So that, that your question about, I'm sorry, we don't that to, I'm trying to bring it back yeah, yeah. Um, about generations and, and technology. I think that that certainly plays a role. And you mentioned that, like that Gen Z book or that iGen book. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that speaks on this a little bit. It speaks on how, how technology and, and social media use are correlated with, with mental health. And it's, it's really kind of eye-opening when you think about it. And I'm, I'm not here to like, demonize or whatever social media and whatnot i think it has some good benefits but it's certainly worth going back to what i said before about just that wellness philosophy it's 
living your life in a mindful, intentional way and like really being aware of how does my use of this or anything else truly affect me, right? Absolutely. Um, and, and, and realizing that, hey, it, it's actually maybe better for me just to limit my interaction with this device or this yeah. platform or whatever it is. I think like anything, it's a tool. So yeah. it's, and, and it's important to do your best. And of course, like there's, there's, you know, like you mentioned with the mind numbing with the TV, like, you know, some people that that's good, right. It helps you unwind a little bit, but yeah, do your best to use it and not let it use you. Right. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Consumers in, in some regard, like I use it a lot for like business aspects for, for marketing and promoting, but yeah, I, I, I will admit, I really like Instagram. I like the format. Yeah. I like the content. A lot of the people I follow put out some really informative stuff that I can read. A lot yeah. of people research in my field. I first see the documents or the content there. Yeah. So uh-huh. for that regard, I really, really like it, but I will catch myself at night when I'm just decompressing. I'm just scrolling and reading. I'm like, Hey man, yeah, you are the one who uses this tool, not the other way around. So you totally put it down or do something else. Yeah. It's, it's like to kind of sum up that and it was an interesting and somewhat, I don't know, it could be leaning dark. It could be leaning light. I don't really know yet, but a lot of um, other health promotion, health education colleagues across our conference and the universities are even suggesting like adding a new dimension of wellness and that's just digital well-being. So like, mm-hmm. how do we, if we're going to have a huge presence on these online platforms, how do we how do we moderate that so that it increases our health and wellness instead of distracts from it? So yeah, um, it's a big deal and we'll, and we'll continue to become an even bigger deal. <laughs> it, it's going to, that's the thing too. It's like kind of the, the door's already open and I don't know yeah. if there's a way to shut it. So I feel like getting ahead of it and learning how to integrate it in our life is going to be better than like, oh, just avoid it altogether. Oh yeah. No, avoiding is, is impossible at this point. Yep. Like you said. <laughs> It's done. Yeah. What are some, before we get to our last topic of sleep, so kind of getting into the wellness strategy specifically, what would you say are some practical strategies people want to work on any of those eight dimensions that they can kind of do on their own, first and foremost, some some take-home things? Yeah, yeah. So some take-home things, um, there is lots of just um, holistic wellness assessments online. I'm not going to say one's better than the other. Um, as long as they're multifaceted and really look for something that that has either dimensions of wellness, there's also like a wheel of wellness you can look up and and really just honestly evaluate like where you are in each of those, right? Or even if even if it, if it takes admitting, I don't even know what that is, you know, like that's okay, that's fine. Mm-hmm. We can we can define it, break it down, and, and explore it some more. But I think the first step practically is to really just ask yourself like, what are my strengths? And how I keep myself well and look out for my health. And what am I lacking? You know, what, what is, what's not there? And, and focus on both those things, right? You don't want to focus only on the, the weaknesses and forget to keep up the strengths. You know, you don't want to only focus on the strengths and keep ignoring the weaknesses. But the first one is just an honest look in. And that's what a lot of our work here, um, especially with wellness coaching does, is um, it really whenever whenever we meet with clients the first talk is always about what do you value and what are your priorities Mm -hmm. right and then we'll talk about goals because 
with your values and priorities, we're going to build up that intrinsic motivation. And we're going to use those as anchors to be like, all right, you had a, like a bad day. You weren't able to fulfill your goal. That's all right. Let's fall back on um, why this is important to you, why you want to do this in the first place. Let's imagine your life once you've obtained these things and yes. like re-motivate you, that kind of thing. And so then after that, we'll, we'll really go into goals and say, all right, what do you want to get done? And we're very careful to be like, just like in the gym, you know, like you said it before, like progressive overload, some days that's just adding like two and a half pounds, you know, yep. and that little baby plate doesn't look or feel like a much, but over time that stacks up pretty quick, you know? Yes. And so same thing with your wellness is you don't have to accomplish it all overnight. And in fact, you won't. Um, some of it's hard, especially yeah. things like reworking your diet and what you eat and slowly incorporating new foods. Instead of just going to go from like one way of diet to like completely just, you know, um, now 80% vegetables. And then what, like, that's hard. And a lot of yeah. people, like they fall away from that when they try to go that route. And then two, um, I think some, some more practical steps would be kind of echoing what we said before is just practice slowing down like intentionally. Um, one thing that someone told me to do one time, which is infuriating, um, but <laughs> really helpful is if you want to slow down, purposely pick the longest line at the grocery store to be in. Oh, right. God. Like, don't do self-checkout and then pick the longest line. Right. And then if you want to take it a step farther, be intentional with what you do in your time in that line, right? So you're not just scrolling through Instagram, but maybe you're like reading a book on your phone. You're checking in with friends you haven't checked in with in a while. And that's the most like annoying thing. But you quickly realize like how fast paced your life is when you have to wait in that ridiculous line, right? And that sounds silly and dumb, but like on the day-to-day thing, like, man, especially if you have a hard time slowing down, if you grocery shop once yeah, a day or yeah. whatever, and you'll get five or 10 minutes right there. (laughs) You'll also quickly figure out where your emotional well-being is too with that kind of exercise. Um, I feel like you called me out on that one, man, because I'm that guy in the grocery store, AirPods in, I have my checklist because I basically buy the same things every week. I'm in, I'm listening to a podcast or music or whatever. Uh, I got my stuff, self-checkout out. So that's why I was laughing so hard. I'm like, man, you just described me perfectly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i am a self-checkout guy 99 percent of the yep. time um and unless i do realize like hey i'm in an irritable mood and it may be because i'm trying to do too much at once and then i'll just like force myself to get in this stupid line yeah um and it, and it works it usually does work um so checking in with yourself being honest slowing down and then two i would recommend um the same thing as with physical fitness um, get a support system, like tell someone your goals, ask someone to keep you accountable. Not as like a, like a, you know, that picture of like a harsh coast blowing a whistle just to point out your failures, but like who's someone who's going to be intentional and, and, and happy and encouraging when they check in and say, Hey, I, I know you wanted to work on your sleep. How's that going for you? You know? Yeah. And is there anything I can do to help you with that kind of thing? Um, Social support really does help with like reaching all types of, of goals. Um, and then finally, I think um, explore something new that you haven't done before. So if, if you realize like, hey, I don't, I don't really spend that much time on, especially if you're in your full-time job now, like you're outside the college environment, intellectual well-being, 
sometimes just falls to the wayside, yeah. right? So it doesn't have to be cracking open a textbook. It can just be, I'm going to read a new genre of book that I've never read before, right? I, maybe I've never read science fiction. I'm going to give it a shot and see if I like it or not. Or I'm going to listen to a completely different new type of musical genre, right? I've never listened to jazz before. I'm going to figure out what that's all about. And just introducing yourself to new like stimuli and new creative methods is, is really what, what intellectual wellness is all about. So, so whatever your dimension is that you've never really put much effort into recently, um, going out on a limb and just exploring what different wellness, like, just like I mentioned it before, like me trying new machines in the gym, like opens yeah. up a whole new muscle mind connection. You're like, wow, this is great. This is wonderful. Um, same thing with wellness and it just takes different lifestyle behaviors to make you realize that. Love that. And I think that's good too, because those are, I wouldn't say easy, but they're things that you could do in the immediate, right? You can, yeah. sure you got a book on your shelf that maybe your parents have, or that you were like, oh, I've been meaning to read that. Yeah. And just finally just grab it and read it. Totally. Yeah. And like you said, it doesn't have to be anything, anything new. Um, and we, we always encourage to try to tack these habits on the pre-existing habits. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and our, our example is always like, well, you brush your teeth and you floss right after each other, right? Because you know that's when it's going to get done, right? Yeah. Um, if you want a new habit, um, pick something small that you do every day. Maybe it's you have a little like routine when you get home from work. Add one more thing to that. And maybe that's just I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read or I'm going to meditate or I'm going to stretch or I'm going to work on my flexibility or I'm going to do something even for just like five minutes. Yeah. You know? It's not like you have to start the stuff out doing it three hours a day or something. Yeah. To be respectful of Will's time, we may have to do sleep on another podcast, which is great because that's an awesome topic. Dude, I, wanna... I will talk for hours over sleep. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's important. Topic. I know you're big on the research in it, so I definitely want to focus on on that on a different time, which means it's a good excuse to get you on on a different day. So absolutely. Kind of the last thing I want to ask you is, with regard to, so you got those self-help strategies, which is awesome. When would you say is a good benchmark or understanding of like, okay, you know, I'm doing these things, which is good, but maybe I need help from a, you know, wellness coach or maybe even advanced. When is it time to speak to a professional even further about maybe some things mental health related? Yeah. And my go-to response to this is if you're questioning it, it's time. Okay. You know, because even if the professional's like, hey, man, you're doing great. Like, you don't, yeah, I don't think at you're least you went right. where you need my services. Then at least you have that like encouragement of, hey, I'm actually, I'm killing this. I'm, I'm knocking this out. This is great. Or you go to that professional and they say, all right, yeah, I see where we can maybe help you a little bit with this. Whether that be, you know, a therapist, a trainer, a coach, a dietitian, whatever it is, right? They can certainly at least let you know where you stand and how their services can help. And then it's still up to you to seek it out and continue with that, right? So my go-to response is, if you even ask yourself that question, it's it's worth exploring. Doesn't mean you need it. it it's just, what's the harm in, in looking into it more, you know? Um, because again, if, if you really value your, your mental health, your physical health, um, then we would be willing to go get other people to, to, to weigh in and help us increase those aspects of ourselves. Right. Yeah. Um, and it shouldn't be anything that we, we avoid. It's not like, you know, you, I was about to give a horrible example, but 
no worries no worries yeah yeah all right <laughs> with um oh sorry go ahead bud. uh oh nothing i was just i was just gonna reemphasize. like I, I don't think there's anything sometimes there's a lot of stigma associated with getting help and yep and the thing is like if you don't want people to know like you're under no obligation to tell anyone you know what yep. i mean like even if it's just seeing a personal trainer or a dietitian, like no yeah. one needs to know your business, you know, yeah. your well-being is your own and you can share it with whomever you want. So, yeah. And that's fine. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I liken this to, this is my competitive side. So if anyone is, has that competitive nature and they're like thinking, well, maybe I need to work on some of these wellness things or mental health aspects, maybe this will hit home. The way that I kind of look at it is, mm-hmm. you know, just as like, I always try and push myself to get my body better. I want to push myself to get my mind better. Right. So I, I look at it as another quote unquote muscle in a sense. Right. Yeah. I, I, I always like to tell people to help break the stigma and maybe this is incorrect. So I apologize. Well, if I'm liking likening this in a wrong way, <laughs> but I, I tell uh-huh. people like your brain is an organ. It's the most complicated organ we have, but it is an organ nonetheless. And so when people have issues with their heart, or their lungs, or their intestines, no one says, oh, that's weird, or, or questions it in a weird way. But when yeah. something, maybe you're dealing with something with the brain, or just your emotions, or how you you know process things, people get a little hesitant. So the way I mm-hmm. try and break it down is like, hey, something between my ears is, you know, not as healthy as it could be. So yeah. I'm going to do my best to work on it, even though the strategies are a little bit more, I wouldn't say they're not practical, but even though they're a little more complicated than and yeah. then just training in the weight room. So take totally. that competitive nature of yourself, maybe look at it as like a fun challenge. Like, how can I make myself better? How can I help myself grow? And that's ultimately going to give me a happier and more fulfilled life. I love that. I love that. And I couldn't agree more. Um, uh, we can also talk about the brain for forever too, but it, it, it's, yeah, it's the perfect comparison to physical fitness because your brain uses the same use it or lose it mentality right mm-hmm. and if you feed it with positivity then it and it, it lit i'm not saying this metaphorically i'm saying this literally it literally grows positivity and creating new positive neural networks if you feed it negativity then that's what you're going to get right and that's where your thought process and, and perception is going to go which is why sometimes we do need the help of professionals to help us learn how to just like how we learn how to feed our physical fitness with the right movements and stretches and things we need sometimes professional help to learn how to feed our brain those those positive reframes and and new ways of thinking so that we can make it healthy and well too no you summed it up perfectly i appreciate that man you heard it from the professional himself train your brain (laughs) uh address what needs to be addressed and you know do your best to make peace with yourself if you feel like it's something where you're viewing it in a negative tone where how will people view me how do i view myself with needing to get quote unquote help do your best to mm-hmm. you know address that as this is for my own benefit just like getting healthier in a physical dimension is for your own benefit and everyone applauds right totally excellent sir and that is a perfect way to end will i just want to say thank you again so much i really appreciate you bringing some nuance into this conversation one that is well overdue in our culture and that I'm very happy seems to be seems to be picking up some steam a little bit. Hey man, anytime. Happy to talk with you. Can you let the people know any 
place they can find you or some of the services that Purdue Rec Well can offer? Yeah, if you are a Boilermaker tuning in, um, we encourage you to check out the wellness suite, explore some of these options, such as wellness coaching. Um, it seems kind of odd thing to do. You can also come to the gym, however, for your financial wellness now at RecWell. Um, and you can meet up with our dietitian around to cook healthy food. Again, kind of what we've been talking about, we really focus on that holistic aspect of you as a person. So we can get you connected with resources that can improve all aspects of your health and wellness. Um, or if you are a parent or family member of a Boilermaker listening in, you can encourage them to explore some of these services as well. And that's where literally our job, we're here to help, here to serve, and here to increase health and wellness across the Boilermaker family. I love it. And yeah, I'll be sure to put all those links in the description so that way people have direct access to them. Y'all know where to find me, Instagram and TikTok at the underscore shift underscore method. Of course, still taking in-person and virtual clients. doesn't matter what state you're in. If you want to train with me for any goal that you value, I'm your guy. Just head over to the shiftmethod.org, click any of those take action buttons and fill out a client intake form or just message me on Instagram and we'll pick a day and time to get you going. And of course, if you're in the South Florida area and you want to train with me in person, just head over to uh, Instagram, DM me, and we can start training at Johnny O's Gymnasium right away. And of course, don't forget, we still got a parallel out head to the shift method store. Go ahead, grab yourself something. Again, that's the shiftmethod.org. Will Evans, much appreciated, sir. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you. Have a good day, bud.